Welcome to this Thursday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Coming up in the show today, Taylor Charleston talks about a new technological approach to nitrogen fertilizer production. And I'll check in with regional and national agricultural news beginning with regional ag news right after this. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit Phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. According to the latest USDA National Agricultural Statistics Service California Crop Progress and Condition Report, late varieties of peaches and nectarines continue to be harvested. Older stone fruit orchards were pushed out and shredded. Apricot and cherry trees were pruned. Harvest continued in pomegranate, pomelo, and pear orchards. Table grape harvest continued. Raisin grapes that had completed the drying process were rolled and picked up. Plastic sheeting remained over some grapes to protect from potential rainfall before harvest. Persimmon and quince were mature. Kiwi fruit remained under shade cloth during maturation in Tulare County. Irrigation continued in citrus groves to prevent fruit drop because of heat stress. Pumlo harvest started in Kern County and star ruby grapefruit and Valencia oranges were picked up in Tulare County. Navel oranges, tangerines, and lemons continued to develop and show color. Olives were picked and strawberry fields were prepped for fall planting. As for nut crops, spraying for weeds continued where necessary. Almond harvest was wrapping up for the season. Walnut and pistachio harvest continued. In vegetable crops, Salinas Valley lettuce varieties suffered some crop loss due to INSV or spot virus and fusarium. Tomatoes were harvested in Stanislaus and Sutter County. Zucchini, green beans, eggplant, and assorted pepper harvest continued in Tulare County. Sweet corn, pumpkins, and tomatillos continued to develop. Cooler temperatures helped with vegetable growth. Recently, the California Department of Food and Agriculture Secretary Karen Ross made a visit to New Zealand where leaders talked about the similarities between countries and shared climate challenges related to agricultural production and sustainability, workforce development, and water. She says she met with growers who are staying on a cutting edge of sustainability by enhancing on-farm practices to meet growing consumer demand while adapting to changing dynamics of workforce availability. One of their meetings was with Ray Smith, Director General of the Ministry of Primary Industries, which includes includes agriculture. He spoke of the vision New Zealand has for a sustainable future called Fit for a Better World, including productivity, sustainability, and inclusivity. She says, as always, she enjoys visiting with Ag and Trade Minister Damien O'Connor. Although their trip was focused on their similar horticulture crops at all levels of government, people were eager to learn about California's ambitious goals for methane emission reductions and the significant progress made to date, in addition to the state's investment in climate-smart ag practices. She says it was an honor to participate in New Zealand's Oceana Summit 2035 with an emphasis on climate change, agri-tech, and workforce development. The momentum will continue when they welcome international leaders and innovators to a June 2023 meeting called the Salinas Summit, organized by Western growers, to concentrate on agri-tech as well as advances in biological solutions and opportunities for partnerships. New Zealand is focused on improving sustainable horticultural production through a lighter touch 
bringing the horticulture, wine, and arable crop sectors together to meet growing consumer demand for foods produced through sustainable pest management practices. With approximately 92% of the New Zealand's food production exported, the country is seeking to be in alignment with its export partners to ensure long-term sustainability of agriculture. Ross says that New Zealand and California share not only a diversity of agricultural production, but also commitment to overall sustainability, and she looks forward to a long-lasting partnership. The California Citrus Mutual Marketing Committee anticipates a 2022 to 2023 naval orange crop to be approximately 10% over the previous season's utilized production. At below average, the upcoming season crop is expected to be very similar to the previous season with excellent fruit quality and sizing. The results from the preliminary maturity test show that the crop is progressing very well. A high sugar content was detected that well exceeds the California standard for sweetness. The mandarin crop, including clementines, tangos, mercots, and other seedless varieties is also progressing well in terms of quality and fruit size. The committee estimates that the mandarin crop will be up by as much as 30% over the previous season, but still well below average production levels and nearly 30% below the 2020 to 2021 record-breaking large crop. The California naval orange crop will start by the end of October, followed by mandarins in early November. The Pretty Lady Vineyards team will feature its premium California table grapes at the revamped IFPA Global Produce and Floral Show in Orlando, Florida. The Pretty Lady fields are currently being harvested for their fall crop and will be on display at this year's show. Last week, they began the harvest of their Adora Black Seedless and Autumn Crisp Green Seedless varieties, according to Nick Dulcich, president of Pretty Lady Vineyards. He says the berry size is large, ranging from 25 to 30 millimeters. The bricks level is up to 19.2, and the fruit is firm, crisp, and juicy. They are packing and taking orders. Other available varieties during the fall harvest include Autumn King, which are greens, Scarletta, which are reds, and Scarlet Royal, which is also red. The Global Produce and Floral Show takes place October 27th through the 29th. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. An ag tech startup in California is taking a new approach to production of nitrogen fertilizers by using local renewable energy technologies to remove the method's long-standing carbon footprint. This marks a major difference from the existing nitrogen supply chain, which is highly centralized and uses fossil fuels and costly transportation. Nico Pinkowski is one of the co-founders of Nitricity. Our, our process is fundamentally the same as lightning and a rainstorm. If you've ever had a, an, aggressing th- an aggressive thunderstorm outside, you'll, you'll notice the next day um, colors stand out. They're a little bit brighter. Crops can be a little bit greener. And on average around the world, about five pounds of N per acre is provided in the form of lightning-based nitrogen fixation, which um, lightning breaks down nitrogen in the air and rainwater brings that into solution uh, with water in the form of the nitrate ion, or actually nitric acid. H- how we turn renewable power into fertilizer is the same fundamental process. We take a, a plasma reactor, or I like to call it our lightning fertilizer reactor, and that breaks down nitrogen in the air, reacting nitrogen and oxygen together. Th- this process has been referred to previously in textbooks as the burning of air. Secondly, we simulate rainwater, or, or more properly, you could call it chemical absorption 
of the nitrogen and oxygen species in water. So we have two fundamental parts of our system. One is a lightning fertilizer reactor, and the second is chemical absorption of the product of that reactor in water. And through that method, you can take just air, water, and electricity and turn it into fixed nitrogen in the form of nitric acid, um, a popular fertilizer feedstock, uh, which is a clear liquid. And from there, you can use it directly or you can combine it with other macro or micronutrients nutrients to balance the pH or, or make the most optimal blend for, for your specific soil profile. Being that renewable energy technologies have now existed for decades and have evolved significantly in both efficiency and cost to produce, the question is, why hasn't something like this been done before? Why hasn't this century-long process of producing nitrogen fertilizers changed? One of the main reasons is how cheap it has historically been, disregarding the last year or so, to produce nitrogen. Fossil fuel-fired uh, factories manufacture fixed nitrogen fertilizer products for, for low cost and, and in a way that's you get great economies of scale. So it's a very centralized process. You can drive down the cost. Um, however, that leads to longer supply chains and distance from farms. But over the past 120 years, uh, the, the abundance and low cost access of natural gas, coal, and fuel oil have made this um, process king. Um, why this is possible today and hasn't been possible before is uh, due to the renewable energy revolution. You have solar and you have wind. You have intermittent low-cost power um, available um, for, for prices lower than, than you can imagine. And with, with the latest wave of government support, uh, with the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, support of renewable technologies, the price point of um, distributed energy generation continues to plummet. This intermittent low-cost power presents an opportunity that hasn't, hasn't ever existed before. That, that's reason number one, is where the energy comes from and what does it cost? Reason number two is plasma physics. And this reaction, taking nitrogen from the air and turning it into a product, a fertilizer product, it's a, it's a beautiful technical problem. It is a very hard chemical bond to break down uh, and that is nitrogen and air. It's the second strongest chemical bond in the universe. It's extremely stable. And um, you know, we've relied on one process over the course of uh, 120 years because that process is known to work. Um, there, there's been recent advances in plasma physics that presents an opportunity that hasn't previously existed uh, in a different way to tackle this very tough engineering problem. So technology advances and then market development in terms of renewables are the, are the two reasons why this is possible today and hasn't been before. Pinkowski also noted this new method involving renewable energy tech is more cost effective than current methods due to the locality of the energy and reduction in supply chain steps. Over the past year, we've seen in the Valley in particular, you've seen UAN increase from you know, 30, 40 cents per pound of N up to you know, at some points over a dollar. So that's a 200, 300% price increase. And in, in no way is that, in no way does that help farmers plan their business operations. And in no way does that help our supply chain succeed. And that level of volatility is a result of an inefficient supply chain and, 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 and really one that broke down over the past year. So what we do is we, we produce fertilizer closer to where it is needed using solar or wind. And what people don't realize about solar or wind is that these energy contracts are traded in 
um, you know, 15 to 30 year packages. So you'll get a power purchase agreement with the, with the renewable developer for 15 to 30 years. And so by producing fertilizer locally using electricity, the prices can be remarkably stable. That's thing number one is using electricity locally rather than using natural gas abroad um, or importing, importing fertilizer abroad in California, how it's done today. You can have a, a huge level, uh, a, a huge stabilization force to the price. And then on, on the price point of, of nitricity as fertilizer, we're starting in specialty nitrogen markets, um, like any good startup. So we're targeting high value beachhead markets and um, that like calcium nitrate liquid and solid form. So 8-0-0 calcium nitrate um, or, or solid form calcium nitrate at 12 to 15% uh, by mass nitrogen potassium nitrate and nitrophosphates. So that's where we're starting. And, and the reason why is because we can compete directly with costs in those markets from day one. So we fully appreciate that we have a new technology and we, we see an opportunity to compete at cost uh, against UAN 32 in the long run, but we've identified a high value beachhead market where we know we can compete on cost on day one. So, so that's our general two-step strategy. Um, where we believe we can compete on costs in the long term and where we know we can uh, today. And, and so you know, it's going to take us some time to get below a dollar per pound of N, um, but, but it is our goal to ultimately get there. And um, no matter our price point, where we start and where we end, uh, you can expect a high level of, of stabilization to, to the prices in, in, in the local economies. Up to this point, the technology has been proven in commercial agriculture settings, including subsurface fertigation of tomatoes, in a collaboration with Cal State University Fresno's Center for Irrigation Technology and the Water Energy and Technology Center. It took a lot of iterations. Uh, there were certainly some times where we had maintenance, um, but uh, you know, we moved local and um, worked on it every day until we got it working. And our first our first solar fertilizer project ran for 14 months and was, was very exciting. I went through, uh, did tomatoes, and then we did winter broccoli, and then we did tomatoes again. Um, we've had other contracts as well. So we had a larger project um, where you know, we were on a plot that used yellow peppers, and it was a bigger solar array, bigger equipment size. And then we, we now have a project with the International Fertilizer Development Center in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. So we have a a shipping container size piece of equipment that turns air and water into fertilizer. And we're doing greenhouse trials and uh, testing the combination of our fertilizer with other macronutrients and, and, and with that partner. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Chalstrom. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees, superior pollination.
Dairy producers can now enroll for the 2023 coverage through the Dairy Margin Coverage Program. The program helps dairy farmers manage changes in milk and feed prices. Enrollment for the program began on Monday and runs through December 7th. Last year, USA's Farm Service Agency took steps to improve coverage, especially for small and mid-sized dairies, including offering a new supplemental DMC program and updating its feed cost formula to better address retroactive current and future feed costs. DMC is a voluntary risk management program that protects dairy producers when the difference between the all milk price and the average feed price the margin falls below a certain dollar amount selected by the producer national milk producers federation president and ceo jim mulhern encouraged dairy producers to consider the maximum coverage under the program he says that the current combination of high prices with costs that can be even higher illustrates a basic value of dmc for producers who can benefit from the program And on a dairy note, the American Farm Bureau Federation is celebrating a successful federal milk marketing order form that was held over the weekend in Kansas City, Missouri. The National Milk Producers Federation, Dairy Cooperatives, Processors, State Dairy Associations, and Dairy Farmers joined AFBF for the event. The three-day event provided a platform for farmers' voices to be heard while also answering a call from Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack to bring the dairy producer community together to discuss FMMO modernization. Discussions at the forum focused on class price formulas and de-pooling, among other topics. The American Farm Bureau Federation and the National Milk Producers Federation agreed on a joint statement regarding the need for FMMO improvements. A number of dairy organizations attending the event also supported this statement. The AFBF National Milk Statement reads, with the last major update to the FMMO system occurring in 2000, they believe it's time to consider improvements that better reflect today's milk markets. And more than 16,000 farmers and agricultural organizations recently united against the Environmental Protection Agency's proposed revision to its 2020 atrazine registration review decision. The farmers and agricultural organizations representing corn, citrus, grain sorghum, sugarcane, and other crops submitted comments calling for the agency to base decisions on credible scientific evidence. Efforts to help farmers speak out against a proposal were coordinated by the Triazine Network, a diverse coalition of state and national agricultural groups that rely on atrazine and other triazine herbicides to control weeds. The atrazine comment period ended October 7th. In our comments, growers expressed frustration with the EPA's lack of transparency and its repeated efforts to implement measures that would end effective use of atrazine for weed control. In addition to the ultra-low 3.4 parts per billion level, EPA doubled and tripled down by creating an over-predictive model that predicted 72% of U.S corn acres would be in violation. Farmers are having a big impact on child nutrition across the country. October is National Farm to School Month. Diane Pratt-Hevner, Director of Media Relations with the School Nutrition Association, says farmers have played a big part in nutritious school meals for a long time. There have always been very strong ties between the National School Lunch and School Breakfast programs and our agricultural community. You know, these programs were directly linked by Congress and the administration to supporting America's farmers. We've got the USDA Foods Program that provides 15 to 20 percent of the food served with school lunches. And she says that's with all American-grown foods. And thanks to the Buy American requirements, the National School Lunch and School Breakfast programs have been a great way to support growers and ranchers throughout the country. 
and during Farm to School Month this month, many schools around the country also bring farmers into their classrooms to educate kids about how their food is grown. For more information, log on to farmtoschool.org. USA meteorologist Brad Rippey is in with the latest on cotton crop progress and conditions. We do have uh, cotton continuing to open up, bowls 89% open on October 16th. That's ahead of the five-year average of 87%, also ahead of last year's 85%. And the harvest numbers for cotton coming in this week, 37% of the crop has already been cut. 32% is the five-year average. 27% was the number last year. The bigger story for cotton continues to be drought across the central and southern Great Plains that has left this crop just 31% good to excellent on October 16th, 46% very poor to poor. Hard to believe, but that represents a small improvement from last week when we were sitting at 30% good to excellent, 47% very poor to poor. Once again, USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. A new study from Growth Energy found nationwide access to E15 could save drivers billions in annual fuel costs, create new jobs, and return billions to the U.S. economy. The study, conducted by ABF Economics, follows months of record high gas prices across the country and President Joe Biden's emergency waiver to allow the sale of E15 for the 2022 summer driving season. The study says a nationwide transition to E15 would also put an additional $36.3 billion in income into the pockets of American households, support an additional 188,000 jobs, and generate $66.3 billion for the U.S. gross domestic product. Growth Energy CEO Emily Score says that the study shows that expanded year-round access to this higher biofuel blend can provide a much-needed boost to the farm economy and even greater savings to American families. E15 is currently sold at over 2,700 stations across 31 states, and drivers have chosen a biofuel blend to fuel 35 billion miles total. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 